HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Ramona, organic Italian wine spritzes in a can. Hi, I'm Allie Kane. Welcome to In the Sauce, a podcast about building consumer brands. When we launched a line of fresh sauces for grocery stores, I knew we were jumping into something crazy. Haven's Kitchen is a cooking school, cafe, and event space. A product that people buy in grocery stores is an entirely new business, and I had a lot to learn. So, in my efforts to get myself educated, I started meeting everyone I know and respect who could advise me on production and distribution, sales and legal, PR, and social media. Then I started having those conversations here as a podcast so that other founders can learn from them as well. This is the story of Haven's Kitchen Sauces, but it's also the story of every growing brand, because we're all in the sauce. Today, I'm speaking with Gracie Dulick, who started her career as a summer intern at Sir Kensington's and left the company four years later as the director of natural specialty and club sales. She's currently the director of sales at Matcha Bar, a Brooklyn-based matcha tea company. Hi, Gracie. Hello. Um, so I am, uh, we haven't had sales on here. I've had distributors, I've had supply chain, I've had branding, I had field marketing, but you are my, uh, virgin (laughs) sales (laughs) person. Well, I hope I can uh, live up to it and tell you what you want to hear. You have a pretty awesome reputation. Um, I think, you know, we're going to, I'd like to sort of start off with how I always start off and then we'll get into nitty gritty about Mm -hmm. like category and the difference between um you know natural and the channels and all that because I don't Mm -hmm. think anyone knows that stuff going in so I guess my first question is did you see yourself doing this as a child and were you always sort of a sales kind of gal or were you a product kind of gal did you love brands what did you want to be when you grew up yeah great question um I definitely wasn't sales minded in in my whole life and in fact I really thought after college I didn't want to do sales because I had this negative image of it being you know like used cars salesman with a, or like with a headset dialing <laughs> hundreds of calls oh, in right. tech sales which right. is what I have you know a lot of friends who have done and Interesting. that's a lot of fun for some people but that was not what I envisioned you know having to make tons of cold calls and meet my quotas and, right. and all of that yeah so I really didn't think I wanted to go the sales route. Um, for me, really, like food was the the big driver to bring me into the industry. Um, that was always just a hugely important part of my life and family growing up. Um, and that was just kind of fed everything that I wanted to do, but I hadn't really thought about it as a career. It was right. more just, this is what I enjoy doing. And then it kind of all came together and I realized I could actually have a job in, right. <laughs> in this industry and doing stuff I like. Um, and so that was how it came to be. And then I fell into the sales piece, which we'll get into more of the nitty gritty right. later, but it's a lot different than what I think of traditionally in sales. Right. So when you were nine, where were you living? What was your life? And like, what did you want to be? Yeah, great question. So I uh, 
was living in Palo Alto, California. Mm-hmm. Um, grew up with three brothers, three very loud brothers. Older? So, uh, one older, two younger. Okay. Um, so that definitely oh informed my gosh. Yes. the way that I sure. see the world and, and <laughs> acted. And you had to be pretty assertive yes. in my house to get anything that you wanted. Yeah. Um, and so I think that helped me, you know, be comfortable with speaking with people and totally. giving presentations and and all of those elements of Not my role now. Not taking things too personally. Totally. Yeah. Um, but uh, food was a big part of our lives. But like I said, it wasn't necessarily a career. I think at age nine, I was probably thinking I could be some sort of professional athlete. Uh huh. Um, even though I wasn't particularly good <laughs> at any, I did a lot of sports right. and I enjoyed it, but I definitely wasn't good enough right. or cared enough to actually be a professional right. athlete. But at nine, you're not thinking yeah. about that. You're just like, how do I vision Totally. Yeah. Like, I can be Mia Hamm. That right. would be awesome. Yeah. Um, I could but... so see that, though, by the way. I could see you being like but a so the problem, player the problem was I would get bored and or hungry in the middle of right. games <laughs> and I wanted it to be over as fast as possible so we could right. go to In-N-Out Burger. So maybe you would be a game. better sprinter, let's say, than maybe. a long term. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And so I was for me, it was always about like, what are the snacks we're having right. after the game <laughs> um, was more important. I mean, and that's awesome. And yeah. And so, you know, In-N-Out was a big motivator being right. in California. Yes. Um, but yeah, it quickly became clear that the athlete life right. was not for me. Yes. And then what did you study? in college so I studied public policy Mm -hmm. um, because the other thing that I thought I wanted to do I was obsessed with the West Wing when it was on when I was in it ended when I was in high school right um, and watched it all through middle school as a family so I thought I could like be CJ Craig yes also no you that (laughs) makes sense too easier said than done um but I thought you know it would be so cool to work in the White House and just like be with Aaron Sorkin every day (laughs) um yeah but uh, so I studied public policy, right. um, which was really, really interesting. And you went to Duke. I did go to Duke. Yeah. My alma mater. Okay. Yeah. Go Blue Devils. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm, I think I graduated before you were born. <laughs> what year were you born? I was born in 92. Right. I graduated in 94. Okay. Okay. So, we so you were two. Yep. yep. We overlap. Um, but uh, it was a great school, you know, classes. I loved that major. But right. the problem was when I was finally looking for summer internships, there wasn't really anything that I was really excited about yeah. that was relevant to my coursework. Yes. Um, and so then my parents luckily encouraged me. They said, you know, what what does sound fun? What yeah. do you want to do? And I was like, well, I want to work for a food blog. Uh-huh. Um, and so my first summer, I lived in New York um, and I worked for Serious Eats. Oh, yeah, of a course. Great, great blog. If you haven't uh, heard, definitely check it out. And um I worked there, and then the next summer I worked for a restaurant group. Right. Um, also thinking at this point I want to be in restaurants, and that was kind of as far as I had put together food was either writing about restaurants right. or it, working in a restaurant. It kind of was for a lot of yeah. us for until we kind of knew this other world existed. Yeah, so it wasn't until then at after graduation or, or towards the end of college that I was thinking, you know, I don't really want to work in a restaurant mm-hmm. every day. That yep. it sounds a lot more glamorous than it would be. Yes. Um, and and I got some great advice to look into the brand space. Yeah. And so that is good um, advice. Who yeah. do we have to thank for that? <laughs> um, I had been networking with a lot of random people, people who were Duke grads and yeah. were doing something in the food space. Um, the challenge for me really was that you could probably do a whole other podcast about is mm-hmm. how people can get into the food space out of college Um, because at my school unfortunately the advice was okay you want to work in food you can apply to Kraft right or you can apply to Pepsi or you can apply to Unilever yeah right (laughs) yes and that's what and I was like well I don't want to do that yeah um but that was kind of all the school advice and maybe no no shade on Duke at all but um that was just how they're built yeah and and so for me it was trying to just grab on to anyone who could give me any advice about how to get a foot in the door. Um, and luckily someone had kind of recommended um, looking into brand and then also Sir Kensington's. So um, smart. And so that was just really <laughs> a match made in heaven. It really, I, I mean, lucky. It, it really is because, you know, clearly that is not the path I took. Um, but I didn't know that there, I just didn't know that there yeah. was this whole world responsible for those cookies that I've always loved and identified with or this new 
you know, hot pocket or whatever yeah. it is. Like I, and I loved, like I grew up shopping in Whole Foods, yeah. Trader Joe's. Like I loved, you know, trying different products and right. different brands, but just hadn't ever thought about no. the whole what system goes behind into it into putting it on the shelf. Right. And even when I started at Sir Kensington's and had no idea what, what did you all. what like you got to Sir Kensington's <laughs> I and was you're like, hey, grocery, I'm an intern. What I was did you a do? Grocery sales intern. Okay, so what um, does that which mean? Which is the worst branding ever. <laughs> like, I was like, am I going to be a cashier? Yeah, like, I'm pretty confused. <laughs> um, but I I had actually applied for a marketing internship first, uh-huh. and then um, they said that was already full, and right. they were like, but we have this grocery sales internship that's open. Was it um, field marketing? It was a little bit of everything. Right. It was like, you're going to help pack out shelves and do some resets. You're doing some demos. You're crunching some numbers. Right. You're going to some trade show. It was kind of Fun. a little bit of everything. And I was just like, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know what a trade show right. was. I didn't, know, I didn't know what anything was. It's funny. Maddie's here <laughs> with us doing her Instagramming. But Maddie, I know you're not on the microphone, but you know all the words she just said now, don't you? <laughs> She's nodding yes, which is really cool because, uh, I mean, we didn't know what those things yeah. were when we started the podcast. Totally. Literally. And and yeah, and so I started this role really just believing two things, that I knew the products were delicious. Mm-hmm. I had see, had them in stores. I had had them in restaurants in New York. Um, and I had met some of the people. And they were super Great smart people. and super passionate. And I was like, I maybe I'm going to be a cashier this summer, but I want to work with them. Yeah. Um, and so I just jumped into it and, and luckily again, my parents were super, super supportive because this was kind of a crazy thing. They're like, oh, you're graduating from Duke and now you're going to go be an intern at a ketchup company. Like, what are you (laughs) doing? Doing demos and running around to storms. Um, And I was having to do like overnight resets and my friends who are at other more corporate jobs are like, what? Yeah. Why are you at a grocery store at 3 a.m.? But look who's head of sales now, (laughs) people who were, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, everything, everything works out and, um, and then you stayed. I did. Yeah. So I was fortunate to just kind of grow along with the company. Right. Um, and we, we grew and hired more people and built out a team and got into more stores. And, and so it kind of just, I was able to keep adding some things to my plate. Um, and it was a really incredible experience and you learn from some of the best I mean I've had Scott on this podcast and Pat and Mark is amazing and obviously you know Zach yeah like there I I think they are like the most amazing guys to learn totally so I really hit the jackpot yeah I had no idea that I was getting into that aside from meeting them in person once for maybe 30 minutes I mean this is Um. also (laughs) one of the one of the fields and tell me if you don't agree but this isn't the kind of job where you know a you can figure it out or b you can sort of like you know learn it with like there you need to be mentored to some extent like you need someone who knows when the resets are or what that is or how the whole system works to train you it's not the kind of thing like as and we'll talk about hiring you know when I was hiring for my Mm -hmm. new director of sales it was yes you need a culture fit for sure you need a Mm -hmm. culture fit but you also really need someone who knows how it works because coming into it blind if you've never done this before it is a very anachronistic system totally and I mean a lot of the guys at Sir Kensington's they were self-taught yep too or but maybe had mentors outside um but I think it was I was fortunate to have people that were at least a, a few steps ahead yep, of me exactly. to help me out. That's and, all and you really need. A lot was figuring, it, figuring out it out on the job and, and making changes over, you know, we made tons of curves over the course yeah. of four, the four years I was there. Yeah. Um, and, but yeah, you definitely having someone who at least knows the lingo is, is very right. valuable. And then tell me about Matcha Bar. Yeah. Um, so I, felt that it was time for me to leave Sir Kensington's. Um, I loved, loved, loved my time there. Again, taught me everything I know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just felt like, you know, four years, that's an entire high school or yes. college <laughs> experience. I'd only been at one company. I had friends who had been in five jobs right. over four years. Yep. And um, I was like, I should really do something else. Um, and for me, again, I went back to the same, the same thought process is it has to be a product that I genuinely love 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 mm-hmm. all love eating will not get tired of it and it has to be people that I want to work with yep um and so with Montrebar it was awesome because I was already a huge fan yeah 
big fan of matcha, of their brand in particular. Yep. Um, and so I knew, you know, nailed that category. Um, and then the rest, you know, once I got to talk to them a little bit more and learn about the stage they were at, and mm-hmm. it just was really the perfect fit for me to take the next step in my career and, and take a little more ownership of a larger team, be a right. little more, you know, senior. And, and for me, it was big about being early on in a brand. Um, so I've joined probably even at an earlier stage than I joined Sir Kensington's. Right. Um, earlier stage in the company lifespan. Um, and so that's been really exciting and challenging. Yeah. Too. Um, I mean, before we take a break and, and start talking about sales, like tell me a little bit about that. Like when you took over, were they just in this region? Were they how many doors? That's code word for stores. I don't know why. <laughs> They need to say doors, but whatever, you know, walk through a door. But and and what did you have to learn really quickly, like immediately when you got there? Yeah. um, So we were super fortunate that um, we already had a Whole Foods global rollout before I came on board. Um, And so they had secured that and been rolling out pretty much the month I was interviewing and, and accepted the job. And so I knew that there was at least some base yes. of, of sales and volume <laughs> to jump into. Yes. But they weren't really in that many accounts other, other than, than that. that. Um, right. And that was kind of just gearing up and getting started. So right. when I joined, our big kind of challenge for last year was I, I joined in uh, March of 2018. Our big challenge was, okay, how can we you know boost this Whole Foods growth and mm-hmm. make sure this is a su- successful launch year? And then also, how can we kind of get into now these natural accounts and right. things that are low-hanging fruit right. by virtue of being in this distribution yes. system now? Okay, that yeah. is a perfect <laughs> place to stop for a break because that is something that nobody knows about. And stay Great. tuned. We will be right back. This episode is brought to you by Ramona, the wine that doesn't need a glass, a bottle opener, or an occasion to drink it. Ramona's new flavor, lemon, is available now. Created by Jordan Salcito, Ramona is a white wine drink that's made with organic Zabibo grapes from Sicily and naturally flavored with grapefruit or lemons. It's wine, but cooler. To learn more, visit drinkramona.com or follow Drink Ramona on Instagram. I'm back with Gracie Dulick, Director of Sales at Matcha Bar. So before we took the break, you said something interesting. So for listeners, this is the thing that no one tells you. So when you get a store in a new area, like in a new region, and you get very excited because you're opening a new region and you're getting a new distribution center that, that, that services that store in that region, it is very exciting But if that store doesn't sort of hit the minimums of what the distribution center needs, let's say in our case, they need to sell seven cases per SKU per week out of the Racine, Wisconsin UNFI distribution center. If you don't have a massive like anchor account like a Whole Foods, then you need to go find lots of little accounts because no one store is going to cover those seven cases per skew per week. It's unlikely. Maybe a small grocery chain will. What Gracie was saying before the break was that she had all of this low-hanging fruit when she got there because now they have how many distribution centers? UNFI has uh, 14 that service Whole Foods nationwide. So there are 14 UNFI distribution centers that all are going to have matcha bar now because they were global, which means in every region of Whole Foods. Mm -hmm. And so what Gracie was saying is that they're all now, now that you've opened all of those distribution centers, you can just kind of go hog wild and find all of the stores that pull from those distribution centers and they're just ready to turn on. It yep. doesn't, there's no real big heavy lifting. They need to like the they brand. Need they need to want it. Product. I but mean, yeah, you don't have to, it's already in distribution there. Right. So if you've gotten Whole Foods to trigger stocking the inventory, um, then you can go around and sell to all those small accounts that otherwise wouldn't have been able to get the product. Right. Um, so 
it's it's definitely a a painful but necessary part of building your business is is finding all these mom and pop shops and and sometimes it's a small chain and sometimes it's a a big regional chain um but they can be seriously you know helpful to Mm -hmm. your business for sure let's back up a little bit and talk about your products Mm -hmm. because you have two you have a bottled matcha and Mm -hmm. then you have a canned matcha yep Right. And there are how many SKUs of bottles and how many cans? Yep. So we have five flavors of bottles and two flavors of cans. Right. Um, the cans just launched this past summer. Um, and then the bottles have been in the market for about two years now. And are they both refrigerated and they're and they're both like how? Yeah. So that's the tricky part of the beverage business. Uh-huh. Where there's a lot of beverages that are technically shelf stable. So you don't have to refrigerate them. Right. But obviously you want to drink an iced tea or an right. energy drink cold. Like no one wants to drink lukewarm iced tea yeah. <laughs> or lukewarm, you know, Red Bull. Right. Like think about that. Yeah. That's gross. Yes. Um, and so that's the tricky challenge that a lot of beverage companies, whether you're as small as Matcha Bar or as large as an Honest Tea mm-hmm. um, or Coca-Cola, you know, you you don't have to be merchandised in the coolers in these stores, but um, you want to be. Right. And so it's everyone is out there fighting, fighting, fighting for, for like space eight square feet to get in right. there. And stores don't have enough space for coolers because coolers are expensive mm-hmm. to maintain. They take up a lot of space. And, you know, stores know that coolers are a premium space right. as well. They know everything's going to sell better in those coolers by checkout. Right. That's the, uh, you know, heaviest space foot traffic wise in the whole store. Yep. Um, so that's a challenge for us that we face with every account we go into. So do you have to, and I know we're jumping around a little bit, but on that note, do you have to say to a buyer, like we've been advised because we're sort of in this Mm -hmm. nether world of category, right? Mm -hmm. Basically to say to the dairy buyer who is our buyer, ironically, Mm -hmm. we're dairy free, but that's (laughs) what it is um, to say to them, here's what you should be taking off your shelf right now. Because, you know, you can't fit everything on. So every time you put something new on, you have to take something off. And our sort of pitch is, you know, you don't need all the sour creams and all the yogurts and all the whatever. You do need this fresh sauce because it is the way that like millennials are shopping now. That's been sort of the advice we've been given. What would you say for like a new beverage? Are you basically saying all these sodas, like they're going downhill, put you know, the new energy on Yeah, the I mean, shelf. I think that's where it, it totally depends the type of store you're talking to, right? Mm-hmm. Because if you're talking to Whole Foods, they don't sell Red Coke. Bull or Coke right. to begin with. And right. so the you're looking for different, you know, differentiating yourself against the brands they already do have, but it's not as much, you know, this is natural and those right. aren't. Right. Everything's natural. Yep. Um, but you can still find ways to differentiate yourself. You know, we've been lucky that we're a little bit ahead of the curve, at least when it comes to CPG matcha. Mm-hmm. There aren't, um, there's a ton of small regional brands, but there's yep. not that many, you know, competitors out there doing a big national push with the ceremonial grade ingredients right. that we are. Um, so we are different in the set. Right. Um, but it is a challenge of, you know, kombucha is moving so quickly and coconut yes. water is moving so quickly. And so why should they, you know, and cold brew coffee is moving so quickly. Yep. Why should they take space from those right. that are proven and doing really are well? Are you kind of competing with kombucha it, for space? It, not necessarily. I mean, cause most kombuchas have to be refrigerated. Mm-hmm. And so that's typically a different part of the set is stuff that has to be there, like right. juices or right. kombucha or coconut water. Right. Um, and then there's the other part of the cooler that's, this the is the stuff that, that right. doesn't have to be refrigerated, but we're still choosing right. what's going to be in there. So it's a lot of teas, energy drinks. But but yes, you know, at a macro level, if you think that consumers probably are only going to put one high ring beverage in their cart for that breakfast or mm-hmm. for that lunch. So people aren't necessarily going to buy a kombucha and a matcha, right. even if they do serve pretty different functions. Yes. So high level. I mean, because it sounds to me, we, we were talking a little bit before the show and we were talking about the power of Whole Foods. And I think as a New York brand, um, there isn't really another grocery chain, let's say, mm-hmm. that kind of carries the weight. I do think Fresh Direct has a lot of weight mm-hmm. in this region, but we aren't the world of Kroger's and Stop and Shops. And, you know, mm-hmm. I, I think 
you know, some of those stores are are coming to New York and they're definitely starting to Yeah, but you're also not, you know, the grocery shopping experience here is so different right. from traditional because you're not getting in your car and going right. and doing a huge shop. Right. Like you have to take home whatever you can on the subway right. or walk. And so, so on experience. like on a high level, if you were talking to a founder right now who's a New York brand mm -hmm. who has something that is refrigerated, let's say, mm -hmm. would you say try to get global Whole Foods as soon as possible because then you open up the distribution centers around the country and then you I mean, and then you can go sell or would you because the old advice was build your brand you know have your community love you mm -hmm. be very localized win New York own New York and then try to go out the problem is is that it's hard yeah. to own New York and also make money totally I mean I think I still am a big believer in Whole Foods to drive volume and to drive, you know, to be a place that people are discovering new brands. Um, I personally like shopping there. Um, I know they can be tough to deal with as a small brand, but I still think they're kind of an inevitability right. that you need to try to work with and try right. to get into. Are they any tough? I mean, in my, I don't Not have other. Than yeah, yeah are they any that's, harder than that's like fair. Kroger? Everyone's tough. Yeah. So all in different ways. Right. Because so they, they just, they're not hardly making any money either on yep. the products, right? Yeah. Um, so I guess, you know, I still would advocate doing your best to either get into your home region and mm -hmm. grow from there or get into, you know, global. I think the challenge is when you get into global, you're still going to have some regions where you're going to focus and right. do better or worse. Right. So even if you do get in global, you can't possibly exert all of your marketing resources and win, you know, the, it covers the whole country. There's yeah. so many different types of people and, and even types of stores. Yeah. yeah, I've been to those. I mean, Luckily, those are those wow, are nice really? stores. Nice. Yeah. Um, but uh, those, um, you know, I think even if you do get global Whole Foods, which is great, you want to still think about what are the two or three regions I really want to win in right. and then kind of build that base and try to replicate um, those success stories in the other regions as well. So... If you are me, and I just hired a great director of sales who you know, yeah. um, who I'm thrilled about, um, but I was definitely, I, I, she had very particular experience mm -hmm. for me, which was great um, because she had some dairy and so yeah. she knew dairy buyers, which was great. But what would you say if you're talking to founders, mm -hmm. what are they looking for in a head of sales? How important is it? early on to have a head of sales and what experience do, do, you know, I mean, what is it that you do on a day to day basis that people might not know that you do? Yeah. I mean, I think the, the first thing that people in the industry now probably realize, but if you weren't in the industry and, and were listening, like I said, at the very beginning, it's not traditional cold calling 24 seven. Yes. You're going to be sending certain cold emails out to buyers and trying to get people to pay attention to you. Um, but that's not, you're not just at the phone all day, every day, right. just dialing anyone who will listen. Um, nor are you necessarily going up and down the street into every single store right. with, you know, a backpack full of product, although I've done that and, yeah. and everyone should do that at some point. Um, but I think you're, you really need to find someone who's numbers oriented mm -hmm. um, because I'm in Excel a lot. You're forecasting, you're reforecasting, you're tracking how you're doing against that forecast. Right. You're looking at, you know, all these different, you're looking at POs all the time. You're looking at inventory. You're, it's so much numbers based. Right. And then not to mention the data of, you know, how you're selling and, right. and creating that story and um, building those decks to tell that story most effectively. Um, but I think it's as far as someone needing to have experience, um, yes, you want someone that at least knows the landscape of what are the big accounts out there? Right. What are the accounts that make sense for us? And I um, mean, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but not yeah. only what are the big accounts, but, you know, just the, the timeline of it yeah. all. So if you're a grocery, like if you're a Whole Foods or any of the other major groceries, mm -hmm. how many categories are there? 
Yeah, I mean, they have hundreds of categories. Hundreds. And then buyer, depend. every size store has different numbers of buyers. Right. But there's some buyers who have dozens of categories on their plate, each with hundreds of brands and thousands of SKUs right. within them. And so the way that they structure that and the way they make it not completely overwhelming mm-hmm. for themselves is that they have, like, review periods. And so they kind of say, okay, for you, beverage, mm-hmm. you have to have your new SKUs if you want to be on our shelves the reset date, right? The time when they like make their new shelves Mm -hmm. is let's say April. And in order to be considered for that, whether it's new SKUs or you're just coming in, you need to submit paperwork arguably like the July before. Yeah. It's usually about every account as big is pretty about six to nine months before. Before. Yeah. And then you get your your paperwork is submitted and then you go through a review process and then hopefully you get a meeting and then they may or may not take yep. you and then you find out in December or January mm-hmm. and then you could possibly be on the shelf in April. So if you miss that June or July yeah. date, you're not you miss the entire year. Yeah, I mean you there are stories I've heard in brands that can get lucky and slide something in off cycle if yeah. it's crazy innovative and amazing and great that's awesome if you if you look out and get that <laughs> right but you certainly shouldn't stake your business on that right. you really need to you know get someone to send you the whole foods review calendar yeah or you know some of the other key accounts that you're interested in um and and try to work on that i will say there's a lot of um great accounts that are more regional mm-hmm. that are have uh, have what's called rolling reviews right. and so those you kind of can present at any time and they might slot you in still probably a couple months down the road. Right. Um, but you want to have a good mix. Uh, you want to kind of anchor your brand and your product development around the ones with the set timelines. Right. And then layer on the rolling ones on top of that. So when you got to Matcha Bar, and I didn't ask, we didn't, I didn't finish asking what is something that you do all the time that people might not recognize that you mm-hmm. do. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, so I, I think the first thing would be just in, you know, in Excel all the time and in Excel. In, with numbers all and the is, time. And is it more Excel um, on the forecasting, how much do I need to tell them to make based on what I think I'm going to sell? Or is it more Excel, how much I sold this week compared to what I sold last year this week? It's, it's or both. both. And, and that's kind of why I love the role and the place I'm at now in the company is I'm kind of a, a liaison between a lot of different yeah. departments. So I'm fortunate to have several people um, under me on the sales team yeah. who are more so out in the trenches um, and, and working directly with accounts or directly in stores and managing demos and all of that. And so I can kind of look at how, the, how everything is unfolding um, and like at the higher feet, levels, right. 30,000 feet, and then make recommendations, you know, to operations. Okay, it looks like we're going to be low here or we're, we have too much of this or, right. what, you know, when can we produce this or this PO got missed right. or whatever. So there's all that stuff. And then there's the, you know, looking at the store level consumption data and saying, okay, you know, we're selling more than expected at this Whole Foods location and way less at this one. Mm -hmm. What can you do? You know, what's going on at store level with that? How can we, you know, even that out and and get bring up some of those lagging stores? And when you got there, did you have that team already in place or did you build that team? Yeah, so it was um, it was an interesting way to come in because they had hired um, before me most of this team out. We Mm -hmm. have a few regional sales managers um, in some key markets. And we also have a guy um, who's awesome who's doing kind of national accounts um, out of our office here in New York as well. Um, so we had a bit of a team. A couple people have come and gone, and we've hired a couple new people right. in the last year. But the vast structure of the team and, and people on it is the same. Um, Can you just build it out for me sure. a little bit? So start at the ground level. So do you, you have matcha bar people Talking to the buyers in the stores, going from store to store, yep. checking in, and, and, and are, they, are they doing some merchandising and they're yep. doing demos? Uh, they, have, they manage then some part-time people who do demos Got for it. us. Um, but there, yeah, we have um, a guy in L.A., um, we have a woman in Denver, a woman in Boston, and a woman here in New York who's mostly not in the office. Um, right. She's mostly out on the, on the streets. Right. Um, and they're, 
they're doing everything, you know, whether it's going to a smaller regional meeting, working mm-hmm. with those local brokers um, or those local merchandisers where we might have, you know, a third party merchandising team as well. And they're really that just means someone who doesn't work directly for yeah. much of our who works for other brands who's working well. for other brands and doing, you know, when you go to stores and you see people like either making the things look pretty on the shelf or mm-hmm. doing tastings. Sometimes those people work directly for the company and sometimes those are sort of outsourced and they work for a number of different companies and there are companies mm-hmm. that do that. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I think, um, the reason we need to have so many people in the field and engage all these different teams mm-hmm. is, um, what I was saying earlier about our, the beverage category being mm-hmm. so tricky and having to try to move from the dry beverage shelf to the cooler yep. is something that you need people in these stores fighting it out yep. every day because you could win big one day and get your SKUs into one cooler and go back and two gone. days later and they're gone. Um, and yep. so it's, you really need um, kind of a heavier team even than we did in condiments yeah. um, because the, it's the so condiment aisle, it's still competitive in its right. own way, but it's it's different. I mean, people right. aren't pulling your SKUs out that same day wow. if you get some extra facings. Um, wow. So... It's and a facing for <laughs> all you people out yes, there. Sorry. Um, so <laughs> no, it's facing okay. is just one slot on the shelf. So right. if you see one bottle of matcha or one pack of Haven's Kitchen sauce, that's just kind of the one slot on the shelf that it takes up. And you want to have Multiple, more facings right. um, of your items because then it's more eye catching right. and it, it kind of creates this whole little block of your brand versus if it's just one bottle of matcha in the corner amidst all these other brands, you probably just won't even see it. Right. So, okay. So you have the people and I mean, that was Pat's whole thing, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think what, one of the things that I've really been thinking about since he came on last week was, you know, I think there was a minute where brands and founders and, you know, people kind of coming to this new thought, you know, all this grocery stuff, these promos and the demos mm-hmm. and like the merchandisers and like that whole thing and like buying the ads and the circular and all of that stuff, it's all going to be sort of replaced by digital media and Instagram and building community online. And I think what we're all kind of realizing is that people will be discovering these brands online for sure. And it's very important. But there really is no substitute for having people in the stores facing consumers and most importantly, building relationships with the store level buyers. Yeah, well, because think about, you know, someone might, I might be on Instagram and find this really cool brand that looks awesome and then say, okay, I want to go to Whole Foods and try to find it. If I can't find it in that store, I forgot about it and bought a different drink. In four seconds. And and so, you know, if you... And maybe it's just, maybe your product is actually in that Whole Foods, but it's in a different part of the store than I would would normally think think to go. And so I just, you know, I leave and and forget about it and buy a different brand of kombucha or whatever and go about with my day. I know. And the other thing, too, uh, on your point about winning over store buyers or people in the stores Mm -hmm. is sometimes even you might ask if I care enough to find this brand, I could ask someone who works in the store, hey, do you guys sell this? Where is it? If they don't know right. about your brand, they might just say, oh, we don't carry that. I've never yeah. seen that before. That happened to me once. Yeah. And it, you know, at, it does for happen. Kitchen. And, and you can't, you know, yeah. you can't knock these people. No. Like there's there are thousands, thousands of products of in those stores. <laughs> right. and, and so like, how could they possibly know every single item that's sold in Whole It was Foods? devastating. I showed um, him a picture of the sauce and he's like, we don't carry yeah. it. I'm and like, you're like, it's no, right there. I know you carry yeah. it. So um, it's, that happens, but that's, you know, that's how you're going to get people yeah that's why you're spending money on those instagram ads yeah the product has to be in the store i know or i mean we were talking about you know we're on promo right now and we did demos and we sold out Mm -hmm. and it's just like oh it's just painful right because then you've like really irritated a customer not only Mm -hmm. you know now they're like ready to buy it and you don't have it to sell to them it's just the worst Okay, so now we're going back. So we're we're at the ground level. You have all these people sort of like boxing out all the yep. other beverages, like holding your space. Yep. And then they report to that the person you have in LA and the you know, yep. those and those are regional Yeah, we, we call them area sales managers. Okay. Um and so they're responsible for that whole 
I mean, we kind of think about it as like a region of Whole Foods, but right. that whole territory. So whether it's Southern California right. or whether it's um, the tri-state area or New England, that's kind of how they right. fall. And then th- do they report directly to you? So then we have, uh, they report to our national sales manager who is kind of managing that team and then also some uh, some other key accounts where we just don't have coverage. So he might still call on we don't have someone in the pack Northwest. So he's right. going out and doing that meeting before a five store chain right. um, to get in there and, and kind of managing all of that. Um, and then, but you know, we all work closely together right. and, and are all, you know, happy to pitch in and help out with right. anything anyone needs, especially all the team that's all here in New York. Yeah. Um, and then I'm kind of working at that um, macro level of what, what really needs to happen between finance, between operations, between marketing to really help drive sales right. at, at the holistic level. It's kind of a bit, isn't <laughs> it daunting? I mean, it's fun and it's great, yeah. but it's just, it's like a real, it's a climb. There's, I mean, there's, there's so many products. You have to, yeah. And, and there's a lot of things you have to get ironed out before you can sell. You know, you can't like what just, you can't just, you know, <laughs> go in and be like, I have this really cool story or this this product's really tasty. Like, you need to know the packaging, the pricing, where mm-hmm. this fits in the set, where yep. it's going to go in the store, when you're going to promote it, where you kind of, who do you think is going to buy it? Right. Like you, it's not necessarily enough to just say, like, I have this cool story and I'm a creative person. Yes. And, and, and you should carry um, it because people will want it. Right? Yeah. I mean, that's great. And there's, there's probably plenty of brands that did start that way. But I think the biggest almost misconception about sales is that it's all about the pitch. And mm-hmm. certainly that's important, right? You have to be charismatic and, and deliver the information well, but you really need to have the item kind of pinpointed right. in the right place. Yes. You really need to be able to go in and say like, Yes, this tastes great, but it also is at the right price point in the set compared mm-hmm. to the other things you have. It's and the set, this different just define meme. the set for people at yeah. home. <laughs> so the set would be the category that you're selling into. Right. So for Haven's Kitchen, it would be refrigerated sauces. For um, Matcha Bar, it would be shelf-stable teas or mm-hmm. natural energy drinks are right. kind of two categories. Right. So as brands grow, you're typically offering products across a variety of categories. Right. got it. Um, but you would be able to come in and say, you know, this product fills a void in, in your, your particular store, store. that right. y- isn't being met right now. It's either maybe this is a higher um, cost item and it's more premium, more expensive, but you're going to sell fewer units of it, but make more money every mm-hmm. time you sell it. So that's still valuable to a store buyer to have. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's vice versa. It's cheaper, but you're going to move a ton of them. Right. Or, you know, it's a totally different ingredient right. or whatever. But you kind of need to have all of that nailed down um, before you get that once a yeah. year meeting. I think one, and I want to ask you what your biggest takeaway was, because we met in the Chobani incubator. Mm-hmm. And by the way, to the teacher who was our coach on the cooking contest. Like we were basically robbed. Just, we were just robbed. throwing that out there. We made there. a great pesto. It was like, it was great. And then it was undercooked because, you know, it wasn't our fault. I'm yeah. just going to leave it at that. I still, yeah. I have a little bitterness we about it, but I do feel like you feel I the share same that way. bitterness. Yes. Okay. So thank it's, you. It's fine. Yeah. So my biggest takeaway was um, Federico. And mm-hmm. just the idea that there is the difference between the consumer and the customer and that yeah. it's, yes, brands, you do need to know who you are and you need to know what your brand is, but there's actually even more value in knowing who yeah. the stores are, what they need, what their shelves look like. You can't just go in, like Gracie said, and be yeah. like, look at my beautiful fill-in-the-blank cookie or yeah. adaptogenic yada yada. Like you have to know you have to know their store inside and out Mm -hmm. and say this is where we should be this is who we should be next to this is why we're bringing value to you mr fill in the blank dairy buyer produce buyer cookie snack guy yeah because you you want to make it easy for them for them to say you don't want to say oh well we could come in and maybe we could go here maybe we could go here they already then have to do too much work and think about it yeah it's tough and, and you can fall into that trap and we sometimes do because matcha can go in a bunch of different places right. and so can yours. And the hardest thing I think as a young brand is to 
turn down yeah. business yeah. is is something if like they want to put you in one category where you don't think you're going to sell no sometimes you know you can do it and it can end up working out yep. sometimes you should pass on it yep. even if you're like crap i just turned down you know a huge po yeah. and, and 50 doors or 100 doors right. but it's not going to sell there. Yes. And I, the worst thing to do is get into a store and then get, and then out. it doesn't sell and then you're kicked out. Yeah. Um, so taking your time is always better yes. and taking your time to wait for the right category where you really believe you're going to sell. Yeah. What was your biggest takeaway from the incubator? Yeah. Um, I think, I think we talked about this, but, um, I, it, it's really that, Everyone makes mistakes yeah. and there's no right way to do things. Yeah. Even at the biggest companies that are the most successful companies, I mean, Chobani has a massive recall and other companies have that and other companies, you know, you make mistakes. Um, and just so I think that's something that you just shouldn't be afraid because you are going to make mistakes. Right. Every brand's probably going to have a recall at some just point. And don't you just make a mistake like, on safety if you yeah. can avoid it. Totally. At all costs. But yeah. you just, you know, have to be prepared for that yep. um, and, and ready mentally to just move past it. Yeah. Um, but I also think that um, going on to, you know, everyone doing things a little differently. We talk to tons of people, all who work at Chobani, who's, advised who gave different and yep. conflicting advice yes. yeah and then we also have uh we're fortunate to talk to other brands in kind of early stage or more developed stage outside of chobani who also gave conflicting advice right and so because they know the way yeah, they've done it totally. you know and, and that and, and that doesn't work for everybody yeah. and so i think the biggest thing and um just for everyone we all talk to each other we get advice you know mm -hmm. i'm giving some advice right now but like my advice might not work for your brand right. um and so you really just have to take in and source all the advice you can and then decide yep. as a leader, you right. know, who are you going to listen to and who are you going to yeah. politely ignore? Yes. Um, and what are some emerging brands that you see out there that are doing really well that you're like, huh, I like what they've got going on? Yeah. Um, I think that uh, I'm a huge fan of Nona Lim. Yeah. Um, She's awesome. They're just delicious and they're unlike anything else in the yeah. store. She had just... some category confusion too. She yeah. wasn't sure where things would go and, totally. and she she did something really smart where they actually had it in a few different in a few different places to test. And yeah. then she tested and and mm -hmm. she was super data driven about it and said to Whole Foods, this is where we sell the yeah. best. This is where we should be. Yeah. Um I didn't know that, but it mm -hmm. makes total makes sense. sense and um, I just love those products yeah, and I'm too. so excited to see them grow. Um, and another one I think is, is Bonza. Yeah. Um, we talk about their, yeah, you probably talk about them. Um, they're getting bigger and bigger and yep. I'm super happy for them. And I think they just, they did such a good job of bringing this thing that no one wanted to yep. eat or like knew about <laughs> yes. is now seems pretty mainstream. Yep. I mean, still probably within our, our right. bubble, yes. but seems like it's everywhere. Yeah. Um, or even just the category. And they were very deliberate about the way, yeah. you know, they demoed the heck out of it. Yeah. They were super focused on fairway. Like they had a yeah. plan. So um, no, so I would definitely, um, yeah. watch, check them out if you yeah. haven't uh, had them yet. They're great. And then I don't want you to call out any brands necessarily, <laughs> but what are some mistakes that you see people doing or brands doing that you would like mm -hmm. us to all avoid? I think, um, like I was saying earlier, you have to be prepared to turn down business. And mm -hmm. I think that's really hard, especially when you're, everyone wants to make money and we ha you have bills to pay and a payroll to pay for your team. And, but you really just have to look at yourself and be like, I know we're not going to sell there. Yeah. I know that that demographic or that audience or region isn't ready for us. Yeah. So we have to say no. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's a big one to just remember. Yeah. Um, and then, um, I mean, hiring, I know that's cliche because no, it's, it's, but that is the whole crux yep. of Everything. succeeding as a business. Yep. Um, and so I would say, you know, if you, we all are pressed for time and want to hire people fast and fill roles. And, you know, once we decide to make that investment, yeah. but if you have any gut feeling of, you know, this might not, this be, might not yeah. be the right fit, it's not. Yeah. And it's going to come out sooner rather yeah. than later. And it's going to be a total pain yes. to deal with. So just yeah. if you have nagging feelings or someone on your team does who's also interviewing them, mm -hmm. that's not the right person. I got great <laughs> advice once, which was, you know, if you could build your dream team tomorrow, 
if it doesn't look like who is actually on your team today, yeah, then you need to act. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it's, it, it's not necessarily about, I mean, I think the hiring thing is for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so much harder to let someone go than yeah. it is to not hire them. Just think about totally. the expense of that. Um, but also, you know, I always think of it like a relationship. If it's not working for you, it's probably not working for the other person either, you know, and if you're not bringing out the best in each other, it's not the best fit and everyone's better off. Okay. Last question. Okay. Um, In all of this whole ride that has been becoming the director Mm -hmm. of sales of a major ready to drink consumer brand, what's been sort of one moment of like, ah, this is really fun. I am really loving my life. It probably has to be the first time that I went to the fancy food show in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was still, um, I was still so new. I was still just an intern and only, you know, maybe a, a month or a few weeks into my, my role at Sir Kensington's. And, but when I walked into that space in the Javits Center and there was just all this free, amazing <laughs> food to it sample. It goes back to like the snacks I during know, I was games. Just, yeah. I know. I was just you like, oh my God, like these are <laughs> incredible like French cheeses yeah. and like salumi <laughs> from Portland and like all this stuff. And you can just sample all yeah. of it and then trade with people and take it all home. And that, like, yeah. I came home with bags full of food <laughs> after that first show. And I was just like, this is the industry for me. <laughs> like I was so so happy. That's awesome. And and since then you, <laughs> you know, look yes. so happy right now. So I mean, just like a look it. of like glazed um, joy on your face yeah, right I mean, now. It's cheese awesome. samples will do that to you. Yeah. But um, yeah. I mean, I think even when trade shows get tiring, I've now been to more than I can count, yes. and they're certainly not as fun as that first one. Right. But it is still nice to like gut check and be like, okay, I I probably have. Uh, none of my friends in their corporate jobs are right. like in this situation right now. Right. Like probably this is the right place for me. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. I love that because a lot of people are like, the first time I sold a this or the first oh, time, yeah, you know, but you're like... it should have been something sales related. <laughs> Oh, well, no, I think that's awesome. No, I like, like free food. So. Yes. <laughs> you know, God bless. All right. Um, Matt is not here today, but our lovely engineer, thank you very much. And um, we will see you next time on In the Sauce. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.